Am I on? There we go. Thank you, Pastor. How many of you thought we were done with Joseph last week? (laughs) Guess what? We get one more week. But I'm going to do it just a little bit different than Pastor did. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open to Genesis. And uh, look at Genesis, Genesis chapter 37 is kind of where we'll start reading. But while you're getting there, I want to talk about another man. His name was Jacob. Now, Jacob was an interesting man. And he was the father of Joseph, by the way. And I almost forgot, before we get started, I need to pray. So let's stop here just for a moment and let's pray for, for this time. Lord, we are thankful for your word. We're grateful for your presence with us. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us, Lord, that my voice would not be heard, but yours would be, I pray. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jacob, the father of Joseph, interesting guy. And again, we don't have time to get into his story, but we're going to look at a little bit of his relationship with Joseph. Um, What is important to know about Jacob is that he had 12 sons with four different wives. Now, they didn't each have 12, I'm sorry. A total of 12 sons with four wives, okay? And uh, there was one son in particular that was his favorite, right? We learned about him the last number of weeks, and that was Joseph. The problem was Jacob made no bones about it. He did not try to hide the fact that Joseph was his favorite. And that is why we have the story of Joseph. And that's, you know, the series that we just did, uh, The Dreamer, that Pastor so beautifully expounded upon for us from Genesis. That's why we have the story of Joseph in the first place, because of how Jacob treated his son Joseph. Unfortunately, we don't really have a lot of information about the relationship between Jacob and Joseph, who was later renamed, uh, Jacob was later renamed Israel, in case you didn't know that. But we can kind of tell somewhat of their relationship just by how Joseph lived his life, particularly after he was sold into slavery. So from the time of Joseph's birth, which is recorded in Genesis chapter 30, verse 24, until Genesis 37, verse 3, the only thing we are really told that kind of reveals a little bit about Jacob and Joseph's relationship is when Jacob decided it was time to go back home. You know, he kind of left on some really shaky ground, didn't he? And he decided it was time to go back home. And at the end of the care, he had this really long caravan, a group of people, he had groups of, of, of animals, all these different things. And at the end of the caravan, he placed Rachel and Joseph, his favorites. And especially when he saw his brother Esau coming to him with 400 men. You think you have relationship problems. <laughs> Esau's coming with 400 men, and Jacob has no idea how he's going to be received. I mean, Jacob is probably thinking, you know what? I'm going to put Rachel and Joseph at the end of the caravan, and, and maybe they'll survive. <laughs> Everybody else might die, but maybe they'll live. That was his thinking. Because he, he didn't know how his relationship with his brother was going to work out, that family reunion. And so then the next time we have any mention of Joseph is in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. And it says this, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. 
Stop right there. It probably should also say because he had been born to Rachel. That was also a part of it. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. We then have the story of the two dreams that God gave Joseph and what happened when he told those dreams first to his brothers and then to his father. And then verse 11 adds a little bit of information that probably gets overlooked sometimes, but I think it speaks a little bit to the relationship between this father and son. And it says this, But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. His brothers were jealous, but his father wondered what the dreams meant. It seems pretty clear to me that Jacob believed that dreams had meaning. And maybe even that God was the giver of dreams. And maybe he had had dreams in the past on his own. In fact, he did, didn't he? The third time that the word dreams is ever mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12. And guess who was having that dream? It was Jacob. So Jacob dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth to the heavens. I think there's a, a song by that name, Stairway to Heaven, something like that. And Jacob even saw angels going up and down the stairway. Then he sees the Lord, which might have been Jesus before he came down, was born as, as a baby. It might have been him. But he sees Jesus, and the Lord tells him that the ground he is lying on, because he's laying down, he's dreaming, the ground that he is lying on would be given to him and to his descendants. That's where Israel is today. There's more to the story, but you kind of get this idea. Joseph wasn't the only person in the family to have or receive a dream. His dad did as well. So Jacob wonders what the dreams could mean because he knows that God can speak to his people through dreams. In fact, I would be surprised if Jacob had not told that dream story to his family. I mean, that's a pretty significant event in his life. And we have to remember that um, at this point in time, they didn't have any written Bible. They didn't have any written Old Testament. Everything was handed down by voice or by word, by telling stories. So I, I, I'm almost positive he would have told that story probably numerous times. Dad, please tell the story when you saw the angels going up and down the stairs. Can you imagine that? The word of God, the, the Old Testament, wasn't given until about 400, over 400 years later when Moses then brought the people out of Egypt. So back to Jacob. Jacob was hoping and dreaming, probably in his own way, for good things for his favorite son. Whatever their relationship was like, we know that it was special. We know that Joseph was his favorite, and they had this really special bond. When Jacob was told that Joseph was most likely dead, he tore his clothes. He dressed in burlap, and he mourned for him for a really long time. He was distraught at the news that his favorite son was dead. He said that, it says that he would go to his grave mourning, he said he would go to his grave mourning for his son Joseph. I believe that we can also tell something of the, the relationship that Jacob had with Joseph based on the life of Joseph. 
how he lived his life. Again, after he was sold into slavery, I think it gives us a clue, an inkling into that relationship with his earthly father. I believe that Jacob and Joseph had a, what we would call a secure relationship. One in which Joseph had learned to trust his father, maybe implicitly. At the same time, I believe that Jacob had taught Joseph that the things of God could be trusted, that God could be trusted. And because of that, Joseph developed a secure relationship with God as well. He saw that in his relationship with his earthly father, and then it moved into the relationship with his heavenly father. So what does a person look like who has developed a secure relationship, whether it's with another person or even with God? Well, there are some common characteristics that we can look at. Some of these common characteristics are they have confidence about who they are. They're a confident individual. They have confidence about their effectiveness, being able to get things done. They have trust in others. They have emotional strength. They are willing to seek and to receive comfort. Even in a crisis, they are able to love others and share intimate aspects of themselves. They are responsible for themselves and they have courage. These are eight common characteristics that scientists, that counselors have found in people that have a secure relationship, whether again, it's with somebody or with God. I believe that we can see many of these things in the life of Joseph, some of which are written out plainly for us to see and others that we have to kind of infer just again based on how Joseph lived his life. In Genesis 39.2, it says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. This is just one example. I believe this verse shows us that Joseph had confidence in who he was. I believe that even as a slave in a foreign land, he also had confidence in his effectiveness, being able to get things done. His ability to get things done. I believe he also showed that it showed that Joseph was responsible for himself and he had courage in spite of his circumstances. We also see this in Joseph's time in prison. He did not let circumstances or situations negatively affect him or who he was or how he viewed himself or how he viewed his relationship with God. He knew who he was as an individual, but even more importantly, he knew who he was in his relationship with his heavenly father. And nothing, nothing could take that away. No situation, no circumstance that he was in could take that away from him. During each of these negative occurrences in Joseph's life, he never once cursed God. He never once turned his back on God in any way. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he told her that he could not do it. How could he do it and sin against God? Not even against her so much, but against God. The same God, actually, who had allowed him to be in that situation in the first place. Think about that. I believe that this showed great trust on Joseph's part, as well as great emotional strength because at no time did he ever blame God. At no time did he ever allow his situation or his circumstance to, to get him down emotionally. 
So right now, we've already seen how six of these eight characteristics that you see behind me were displayed, I believe, in Joseph's life. Towards the end of Joseph's story, we also see him have love for his brothers. Another characteristic of someone who is secure. And remember that these were the brothers, the very same brothers who had done what? They had sold him. They sold him into slavery. And yet it says at the end, when he finally was reunited with them, he could still love them. I cannot imagine, I really cannot imagine Joseph being able to do these things in his life if he had not had a secure relationship with God the Father. At each of these crossroads, Joseph had a choice, didn't he? At every crossroad, Joseph had a choice. He could have simply given in to pressure. He could have given in to that temptation to sleep with Potiphar's wife. He could have given in to lust. He could have given in to discouragement when he was sold into slavery and didn't know what his future was going to look like. He could have given in to anger or bitterness towards his brothers for what they had done to him, maybe even towards Potiphar's wife for what she had said about him. I mean, all these different things that came into his life, he had a choice to make at every single place. He could have given in to all these different things, but he didn't. Joseph kept his faith. He kept his trust in his God. He kept living his life in a way that he believed would be pleasing to God the Father. He was able to see God's favor everywhere he went, I believe, because he was able to keep this positive attachment, this positive way of looking at his life by trusting God, by keeping his faith in God. He didn't allow any situation or any circumstance to negatively affect his secure relationship with God the Father. Guess what? You and I are the same. We are very much like Joseph. We really face things in our lives that are similar to what Joseph faced, don't we? Things that could tear us away from our relationship with God. We face things in our lives today that the devil would seek to use to tear us away from that secure relationship with him. Satan, he, he will do anything and everything in his power to try to interfere with that relationship, to cause us to distrust who God is. And quite honestly, sometimes he doesn't have to work too hard to do that, does he? Sometimes we kind of help out, <laughs> don't we? There are times when you and I can easily give in to the temptations around us. We don't even have to go looking for them. Sometimes they come looking for us. Sometimes they even pursue us, just like Potiphar's wife pursued Joseph. But like Joseph, we do not have to give in to those temptations. Sometimes the devil comes against us not just to attack our secure relationship with God, he comes to attack our relationships with each other. Because the devil knows that if he can isolate us from one another, he can have the upper hand against us. We become more vulnerable when we isolate. Did you know that God 
created humans, that's you and me, to be in relationships? Again, not just in a relationship with Him, but in a relationship with each other. It has been scientifically proven that you and I are wired for connection with other people. Imagine that. God kind of told us that a long time ago, didn't He? But they just now discovered that. Isn't that nice? It has been scientifically proven that our lives are dependent on us making a secure, close, positive relationship with one another, with other people. It has been scientifically proven that when a person is or becomes lonely, they tend to have poor physical health as well as live shorter lives. Because of their loneliness, they can actually die earlier than they should. And that's sad, isn't it? Just because of loneliness. Not only that, but if the relationships you and I currently have are not good or are of low quality, it affects our physical life negatively. On the flip side, if our intimate relationships are positive, if they are secure, if there is trust, if they are of a high quality, then it can have a positive effect on our physical life. There is a mindset in our culture today that says when a person becomes an adult, they should be independent. They shouldn't need anybody else. What's the saying? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Do it yourself. It's all about you, isn't it? Some cultures are a little bit different. Some Asian cultures, Latino cultures, they're more group-oriented, not independent-oriented. For example, Hispanics and Latinos have a cultural value that involves a strong identification with and an attachment to their family, their extended families, and strong families of uh, feelings of loyalty and solidarity with them. That's pretty good, I think. Maybe that's something we can learn from that culture, those cultures. But unfortunately, our Western culture, our pop culture even, tends to put family relationships down. There's this influence um, on our kids to not just not be independent, but to even be rebellious towards parents or towards others in authority. This is undercurrent in a lot of our media today that pushes this independence, this rebellious attitude even. We have to be careful about that. The belief that a mature adult should seek independence from all others and even from God is not a healthy way to live. God created us, all of us, to be interdependent on one another or with one another. Most people, when they, are, when they feel alienated from other people, when they feel rejected by them, they experience pain, emotional pain, maybe even physical pain because of that separation, because we desire, we need to be interdependent with one another. We need interconnectedness with each other because we were created to be relational. This need for relationship starts the moment we are born. If a human child is going to survive, it takes and needs constant care, doesn't it? 
But not just any kind of care, it needs love and affection. When Caitlin was born, if we would have simply changed her diapers, fed her, and just kind of ignored her otherwise, she would not have developed into the beautiful young lady she is today. Which, by the way, she is single, so (laughs) anybody, come see me. We'll talk about a dowry. I told her I was going to talk about her. She knew it was coming. You won't forget this, will you? From the moment we are born, every single one of us needs to be connected. We need to be loved. We need to have affection given to us. Otherwise, we cannot become the individuals that God created us to be in the first place. We need to be nurtured by a close individual, whether it's a a mother or a father. Somebody close to us needs to nurture us. If we're going to have any kind of chance of survival, but even more than survival, living and developing secure relationships with one another, and with God. When a child is not loved, does not receive the affection at a young age, it severely hinders their ability to securely attach, again, not just to that caregiver, but to other people and to God. Our relationship with God, our ability to feel safe and secure and attached to Him can be negatively affected if we do not develop this ability to connect with other people. And it goes all the way back to whether or not we were able to securely attach to somebody at a very early age of our lives. God knows us better than we know ourselves, doesn't he? If one, uh, but that does not stop us from rebelling against what he has planned for us at times. Sometimes we, have, we go back to this independent attitude, this independent mindset that the world, or at least our, our culture, tells us, and we can then push people away. We can push God away. We can rebel against the plan that he has for our lives. God knows that if we are not able to securely attach to someone, we will not be able to really securely attach to him, or at least not very easily. It can change. Thank God it can change. But it can be difficult. God knows that our emotional well-being throughout our lives is dependent on relationships. When a man and a woman get married, if one or both of them have not learned how to securely attach to somebody else, they will have a difficult time securely attaching to each other. This can cause a lot of problems. They can have feelings of loneliness. They can have feelings of insecurity. They can have feelings of anxiousness in the relationship because of that lack of attachment. But it can change. That can change as well. God can give us the ability to then securely attach to another person. Why? Why does this happen if we are not able to securely attach to another individual, if we are not able to securely attach ourselves to God, 
Why does this happen? Because we were created for interdependence, not independence. We were created to depend upon one another, not just ourselves. We were made to we were not made to be independent. We were not made to be loners. We were made to be in relationship with one another and with our God. When we believe what society says, that we should seek independence, that we should not need anybody else, it can actually set us up for failure. Because for us to live life in a healthy way, we need others. We need each other to be able to do that. Sometimes, when a person believes this idea of independence, that they don't need anybody else, and yet then they still have this need for other people, it's innate within us. When they start understanding that they actually need somebody, they can actually feel shame on themselves for that need, that God-given need, because of what society has told them, that they don't need anybody. And that's sad. I believe it's also one reason why many in our culture are so antagonistic against Christianity. They view Christians as weak, soft, dependent on a crutch, unable to think for ourselves, and on and on and on. All because we believe in God, because we believe we need Him in our lives. They are not right to say that we are weak. They are not right to say that we are soft or cannot think for ourselves. But they are right in believing that we believe we are dependent because we are, or I, say, I should say, we should be dependent on God. I am not ashamed of my dependent relationship on God. I need Him. You need Him. I cannot live this life on my own to its fullest potential in my own strength. When I try, I fail. I give in to temptation. When I try to live in my own strength, I am not as loving as I should be towards others. When I live independent of God, I make mistakes. I make wrong choices. I sin because I am not dependent on the very person who can help me to do what I need to do, to live the way I need to live. I need God. Joseph needed God. Joseph did not turn his back on God just because things didn't go the way he thought they should. Joseph didn't turn his back on God when his own family turned their backs on him. He remained firm in that relationship. Joseph didn't turn his back on God when he was wrongly accused and sent to prison or when he was left in prison after he helped the cupbearer be freed. In all these different situations, he still did not turn his back on God. He trusted him. Joseph did not neglect to tell others about his God. Even in prison, he told about his God. Standing before Pharaoh, he told him about his God. God knew Joseph, and Joseph knew God. And Joseph knew his strength was in 
his heavenly father. Joseph knew where his ability to interpret dreams came from. It wasn't his own ability. It was a God-given ability. All these things came from a secure relationship with his heavenly father. He trusted God. Even after all the negative things that happened to him, he trusted. He had faith. He was secure in God's love for him. He was secure in God's care for him. I would love to know more about Joseph's life, wouldn't you? I mean, there's so much that's left out. I would love to know, did he have other dreams? Did he have, or did he, was he able to interpret dreams for other people that were not told about in Scripture? I mean, there's so many things that would be so interesting, wouldn't it, about his life? But we know this. He had a secure relationship with his father, his heavenly father. Joseph loved God. Joseph trusted God. Joseph was secure in his relationship with God. As I said earlier, you and I were created for relationships, not just with one another, which can be wonderful but also complex, right? (laughs) But we were created to be in relationship with him. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? He prayed a prayer for you? If you want to, you can turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 17. We're going to look at some of these verses of Jesus' prayer. In John chapter 17, again, it's a fairly long prayer. I mean, it's the whole chapter. And there's some very specific verses that talk about us. In John chapter 17, starting with verse 9, it says this. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Do you know who the you is he's talking to here? It's God the Father. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you, Father, have given me, because they belong to you, Father. All who are mine belong to you, Father, and you, Father, have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Jesus is praying and thanking God the Father for his relationship, specifically with his disciples or his followers. But really, it's for all of his followers. And then in verse 11, Jesus says this, Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. I want to highlight that last part. So that they will be united just as we are. This is talking about relationship between us, believers in Christ. But wait, it gets better. In John chapter 17, verse 19, it says this, And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they can be made holy by your truth. That's relationship. That's personal sacrifice for our relationship with him. That's relational love. 
from Jesus. But hold on, he's not done. In verses 20 and 21, it says this, I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Did you hear your name there? Did you hear your name there? Okay, now, it's not specifically there, you know, Brad or Michelle or Ryan or anything like that. But it says all. All. All who will ever believe in Jesus through this message. He's talking about us. He's talking about having a relationship with us for eternity. Verse 21 says it so well that we, you and I, will be one. Just as Jesus and God the Father are one. As the Father is in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, he is how he wants us to be in relationship with him and with each other. Again, it's all about relationship. It's about interdependence, not independence. But there's more. <laughs> kind of like the commercial. And if you, so if you call in right now, we'll send you this as well. Right? Jesus gives us more. 22 and 23. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Did you catch that last part? That the world would see that God loves us as much as he loves his son. That's a lot of love. That's a lot of love. He was willing to send that son for us because of that love. That's relationship. God gives us his glory, the glory he received, or Christ gives us the glory that he received from God the Father. What is glory? Well, there's a lot to glory, but there's just a couple of things I want to list here. First of all, glory is God's presence. That's pretty powerful in itself, isn't it? He gives us his presence. Each and every day, we have his presence with us. He gives us his honor. He gives us his power. These are the things that he gives to us when he gives us his glory. Then it talks about when Jesus was exalted on the cross. That was also glory. It's about relationships, in case you didn't catch that yet. It's about our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with one another. We need each other, and we need God. One more thing. Relationships take work, don't they? It takes work to get along. Think about it. 
How easy is it for other people to get along with you? Maybe I better say that again. How easy is it for other people to get along with you? There should be a few more chuckles about this. Are you understanding what I'm saying? How difficult can you be? How difficult can I be in our relationships with one another? We can be difficult, can't we? We have a secure relationship with God. We have the strength and the courage to treat others with kindness, tenderness, love, respect, honor. I mean, we go on and on and on. All these things that sometimes we suppress, <laughs> sometimes these things that we just ignore, that we should be giving to one another, like just being kind for whatever reason, God gives us the ability to do those things. God gives us the ability to be those things with one another. We still have a choice to make, don't we? We still have a choice of whether or not we're going to actually be kind, be loving, be nurturing. We have a choice to make. It's not easy. Because like I said, sometimes you guys are hard to get along with. Sometimes I'm hard to get along with. That's what makes it work. It is work. It takes effort on our part because sometimes it can be really difficult, to, can't it, to love one another. So, how do we have a secure relationship with God? How do we do this? Well, like any other relationship, we have to spend time with Him. If we don't spend time with God, if we don't spend time with one another, how are we supposed to connect? How are we supposed to develop this secure relationship if there is no time involved? We have to know Him. We need to understand as much as we can who He is. Learn about His characteristics, like this Bible study the pastor's going to be teaching on Wednesday night, the characteristics of God. <coughs> Learning these things. Understanding what it means for me to know that God is love, that God is trusting, that God is faithful. We have to spend time with him, and we have to learn to trust. We have to learn to trust his word. When God says in his word, this, this, and this, is that real? Is that true? Am I going to believe what God's word actually says? We have to make a choice sometimes. Am I really going to believe this? Am I really going to understand and apply this to my life and my relationship with God? We need to believe who he is, who he says he is, and that he will do what he says he will do. We have to believe. Sometimes we just need to decide, we need to choose to do these things, to believe these things, to trust these things about God. And we have to work sometimes to not allow our situations 
and our circumstances to have a negative impact on us about God. But God, why did you allow this in my life? Why did this have to happen? I don't know. But will you trust him? Will you trust him? That he knows what is best, that he is there, that he has not forgotten you, that he knows your name? Will you trust? How's your relationship with God today? You can have a secure relationship with him. If it has not been secure up to this point, that can change. If you don't really have a lot of trust in God, for whatever reason, that can change. If you don't have a lot of faith in God, again, for whatever reason, that can change today. What will you and I do to develop that secure relationship? To even, if we have a secure relationship, to even make it better than it is right now. Because I don't know about you, but there's probably a lot of room to grow in our relationship with God. Will you choose to trust? Will you choose to believe? God will give us the ability. God will give us the plan. God will help us in this journey. He has already made the way. He has already made the way for us through his son. He's already made the way by giving us his word that we can read and understand and apply to our lives. It's there. We just have to reach out and and grab it. We just have to reach out and apply it to our lives. It's already there. But we have to make a choice, don't we? We have to make a choice. Will I choose to believe? Will I choose to trust? God is here. He's waiting with open arms, waiting for us to spend time with him, waiting for us to look into his word, to study his word, to to have a greater understanding of who he is and how he desires for us to live our lives. He's just waiting. Joni, if you could come, please, piano. He's waiting to connect with you. He's waiting to connect with me. He's given us the tools. They're just there waiting for us. Will we apply those tools to our life? Will we pray? Will we read his word? Will we spend time with him? Will we do the hard work that is necessary when situations and circumstances don't look promising. When we have questions about why this or why that, will we trust him and not give in to temptation, not give in to discouragement, not give in to whatever else would try to take its, the place between us and God? Would you stand with me today? God is love. God is faithful. God is caring. What about you? What about me? 
I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pray a prayer and then I'm just going to open the altars here for you to pray if you want. If you want me to pray with you or, or somebody else, we're available to do that. Maybe you want to have just a stronger relationship with God to work on that secure connection with Him. Maybe, maybe you're kind of wondering what connection you have. Maybe there's a question in your mind of what kind of a connection you really have with God the Father. I encourage you to pray about that. Pray and ask Him. Ask Him to reveal to you where you are at in your relationship with Him. He wants to tell you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to love you. He wants to make that connection with you. So I'm going to pray, and then when I'm done, again, you can feel free to leave. But if you want to come forward for prayer, I encourage you to do that. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus, that you loved us so much. That you were obedient to your Father who told you, who asked you to come to this earth, to die for us. So that we could have that relationship with you. A secure, trusting, safe relationship, God. I pray for every person here today. God, we may be going through different situations. We, we may have different circumstances in our life that are challenging us, that are challenging our, our connection with you, our relationship with you. God, I pray if that is the case, that you would just make yourself so real to those individuals. God, I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know what you, what you need to do or say. But God, I know you can and I know you want to because you want to have that relationship with us. God, maybe there's some relationships here with other people that, aren't, that are not as secure as they need to be. Maybe we need to focus in on that. Maybe we need to pray about that. I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our relationships with each other. God, that we would be kind and loving and caring. That we would seek to be a blessing to those around us, Lord. I give you thanks. I, I, I am so grateful, God, that you desire to have a relationship with us. Encourage us, I pray this day. Encourage us to go deeper, to go further with you in that relationship, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.